It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Got a great show. Carrie Loft of the Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation is going to be my guest, and as he often has been through the years, when we have subjects that involve a bit of complexity, Carrie, in the conservation world, Carrie is able to opine on what he thinks uh, maybe we're trying to accomplish. And Carrie, with that brilliant introduction, first of all, thank you for sharing a duck blind with me earlier this week. That was spectacular, and I, I enjoyed it so very much, even though there was snow on the ground, Carrie. <laughs> Too early to have snow. So, Kerry, um, when we were yes. in the blind, as we often do, we talked about conservation issues. And um, you mentioned to me that there's just this bizarre, and I don't think there's a better word for it, that is conflicting statistics coming out of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service regarding how many hunters there are, in this case, waterfowl hunters, but we'll get into the bigger subject of hunters in a, in a moment. But it caused you and me to have a conversation around the subject of government statistics and conservation and the outdoors at large. So do you want to frame up yeah. in particular what is has people just scratching their heads? Because this, this is really important in federal funding, state funding, in the trajectory of an industry and trajectory of outdoor recreation in America. And it seems like the left hand of the government doesn't know what the right hand is doing. That may not be a surprise, but tell us what's going on. Well, it would be even more interesting if it was that, Charlie, but in this case, it's the right hand talking to the right hand. Um, I am looking here at three bits of information from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And um, they all came out this year. And uh, in, uh, I believe it was September, we got the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Migratory Bird Hunter Activity and Harvest Report that showed that waterfowl num- hunter numbers, waterfowl, ducks and geese, slipped to 913,700 in 2022-2023. That's an 8% decrease over uh, the year before. Wouldn't that also be represent maybe the lowest number we've, we've had in the past 50 years? Yes. However, the confusion is about to reign supreme because... Last month, Charlie, we got another report from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. It's the uh, five-year survey of uh, hunting highlights and reports, and it said that there were 2.8 million, 2.8 million migratory bird hunters. Now, Charlie, you and I both know that um, there are a lot of people who overlap when it comes to migratory bird hunting. You and I are both avid duck and goose hunters, and we're also avid dove hunters. And so does that include us three times? I don't know, but there's no explanation of it. And then there are Sora rails and other migratory birds, but I can't imagine that this discrepancy accounts for the difference between 2.8 million migratory bird hunters and 913,000 waterfowl hunters. And then... I have in front of me a morning dove report from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service that estimates that we had about 643,000 dove hunters in 2021. So if we add the 
number of dove hunters to the number of waterfowl hunters. We get uh, about 1.5 million, but that doesn't include the people who do both, or, or that would mean both were unique populations. And then finally, Charlie, we don't have the update yet because uh, duck stamp sales are on sale for three years, and, but duck stamp sales are about 1.5 million a year and have been, oh, since about basically 2011, with some bumps up uh, when there were good duck populations from 2012 to 2015. So four different sets of numbers. One agency, I'm sure there are good explanations behind this due to methodology, but boy, they're not making it hard for me to understand how many duck hunters there are in these United States. Well, I'm, 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 this, this, Kerry, will be somewhat of a tongue-in-cheek conversation. Um, it makes you have great confidence in all the other statistics coming out of the U.S. government, whether it be jobs reports, whether it be economic data, whether it be the congressional budget of office budget, all every day we are bombarded with government statistics. And because mm-hmm. of our respective interest in conservation, we paid attention to this one. And obviously there's only one number of these which can be accurate, if, if any of them are even accurate. But as you said a moment ago, the right hand of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service doesn't know what even the right hand of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is doing. So how can the public have any faith in what the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service says regarding the number of hunters, the number of stamps? Um, do they have different agencies counting different ways? And I realize that you don't work for the Fish and Wildlife Service. I think you would say thankfully. But um, how do we ever figure this out? Because Pittman-Robertson money is at stake. Lots of money is at stake here. And, and the state of Illinois in particular, among all the Midwestern states, depends on accurate numbers. Well, you know, I, it goes back to methodology, Charlie. I I don't have any standing to question any of these individual numbers. I question how we got four numbers that are so widely diverse. And, you know, uh, I mean, you would hope that every duck hunter and waterfowl hunter in America buys a duck stamp. Well, okay, we have 600,000 to account for if there truly are only 913,000 duck hunter, duck and goose hunters in the U.S. Um, everybody's supposed to call in a hip number. So where's that number coming in? Um, so I wish that Fish and Wildlife could, when they release these numbers, put them into some kind of context you know, it's altogether possible, um, given the questioning, that somebody could self-identify as a waterfowl hunter, but hasn't hunted waterfowl in two or three years. It all. It also could be, you know, how do how do we count up the duck stamps? Well, that's a pretty solid number of counting because they do get the money coming in. Um, but I find it hard to believe, Charlie, that there are six hundred thousand people who buy duck stamps who don't hunt ducks and geese. Um, some people like you and I, knowing that it's a great program, buy multiple ones every year. Some people buy multiple ones because they lost it or send it through the wash. But regardless, it's half again the number of people who are supposedly duck hunting and goose hunting in the country. So I'm having a hard time juggling all this. In the meantime, we are in the midst, as we have discussed before, of a national effort called R3, which is Recruit, Retain, and Reactivate Hunters. And 
if we don't know how many hunters there really are, how do we know that recruitment is an issue? That's, I think that's a pretty good question to ask. And uh, I'm sure there are answers, but the, Charlie, I'm a communications guy. These should be easily found. You shouldn't have to parse it out. I'm pretty good at looking at numbers and making sense out of them. I haven't been able to make sense out of these. Well, I think for those of you listening, you're probably, it's early in the morning, you're either scratching your eyes or you're scratching your head. Um, this is a big deal. There has to be one right set of numbers. And, Carrie, I reflect back to a statistic that sticks in my mind. 1955, there were 2 million duck stamps sold. And in 1955, Carrie, I'll grant you, probably most people in Louisiana did not buy a federal duck stamp. No, no slant on Louisiana, Carrie, just probably reality. And um, they were not universally purchased, and we sold $2 million in a pop in a country that had a little over 100 million people. So we're talking about a really now small segment of the population. Just call it a million. A million out of you know, 330 million people. And that million is not unique. And they are unique individuals, but they're duck and goose hunters looped together, linked together in that. And then you do have the issue of, people buying stamps because, as you said, they lose them, et cetera. I think one of the things that's gone is collectors used to buy stamps. Bill Webster of Wild Wings was famous for saying 20% of the duck stamps sold are actually going to collectors who have amassed stamp collections. Before he tragically passed away, sadly passed away, a few years ago, he said that market is gone. The, you know, the print market, yeah. the, the, the duck stamp print used to be a very valuable collection. If you had them all, now you can't give them away. And and so I doubt collectors are influencing the stamp numbers much. Plus you can buy them online. So there, there, there are lots of things at play here. But the one thing that if you went state by state, I think you would find is that the number of waterfowl hunters and hunters in general by state, with a few exceptions, is continuously declining. So we can't have three times the number of hunters that the license sales say that we're having and have that to be even statistically possible, I would think. And as you said, neither one of us are running the computers at the Fish and Wildlife Service. And maybe what we hope that those listening to the show from the Fish and Wildlife Service will do is go to work tomorrow morning and say, let's get a right set of numbers, one set of numbers, because a lot of tax dollars and conservation dollars are tied to that set of numbers. Well, I would be happy, Charlie, if they would just come out and explain to me why they would differ so much. <laughs> you know, there may be valid reasons for this, but um, you and I look at this. It's part of our lives, and uh, we can't figure it out. How is the average outdoors person going to figure it out? Um, and they should, you know, because uh, we are dwindling. Uh, we, when I say we, I mean hunters. We are dwindling as a portion of the population. We are looking at probably a lot of the baby boomers aging out in the next 15 years. And then there becomes a question, how do we pay for conservation in this country? And no one has hit upon a really good answer yet. That's probably another show, maybe multiple ones. But well, How about, before we, before we take a break, Carrie, I'm going to love saying this to you. How about a homework assignment from WGN Radio? It's not going to pay very well, Carrie. But you said a moment ago you would love to figure out how how there is our three different sets of numbers and maybe a fourth or a fifth different set of numbers we're about to get. So how about if in your very spare time you figure that out, and when you have that, I would love to have you come back on and inform us all how the government from a 
single set of statistics can come up with at least four different sets of, of data. And, Carrie, let's take a break, and when we come back, uh, did you accept that homework assignment? I'll have to clear it with my boss, but uh, I'll get on it, Charlie. We're visiting with Carrie Loft of the Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation, and this is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN, and first a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. Hiking, camping, and hunting, it's all an adventure in the great outdoors, but nature can be tough. You need to be ready for anything and everything. Chevy Silverado is built to handle the toughest conditions and get you everywhere you want to go worry-free. Silverado's designed to handle the big jobs. It's built for the great outdoors. With over 13,000 pounds of towing capacity and trailering sway control, Silverado can haul the biggest loads on the roughest roads and keep you cool as a Sunday drive. With eight available cameras and up to 14 different views, it can spot trouble before it gets to you. That's peace of mind. And when you're ready for the backcountry, Chevy Silverado 1500 ZR2 owns the off-road. You name it, we run over it. No wonder it's Motor Trend's 2023 four-wheeler pickup truck of the year. So see your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and check out a Chevy Silverado. It's freedom to explore the great outdoors. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. And Carrie Lux, my guest from the Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation, is on with us as well. Thanks for being with us. And Carrie, during the first part of the show, we talked about government statistics and conservation and how, as you said, how can the same agency be putting out such conflicting numbers uh, before we shift to the subject of a book which you've edited, I would like to ask this question of you. Do you think we know even how many hunters there are in America? The last statistic I saw was 14 million, and then shortly after that I saw one that said 11.6 million, coming from different governmental agencies in this case. But how confident can we be that we even understand how many hunters there actually are in America? Personally, I'm not confident at all, Charlie. Um, but uh, somewhere, uh, somewhere out there, there's an answer. I hope we can get it um, and share it with your listeners at some point. And uh, all I can say is, though, uh, anybody who's – a lot of people who are hunting public land are saying whatever the number is, it's too many. So we'll have to keep an eye on, on things, and this is a really important story for conservation, maybe existential. So um, – We'll be looking. Well, I think your word existential is right, because without solid information here, as you pointed out, this R3 recruit, retain, and reactivate program in which millions are being spent, we don't even have a baseline to start. It seems like every deer hunter feels there are too many people in the woods, every turkey hunter the same. You know, quail, good luck finding wild quail, and when you do, you're finding a lot of people. So this is something as an industry and all of us involved in the outdoors really have to figure out because are we trying to grow? Are we trying to maintain? Uh, And can we even possibly maintain what we have with far less habitat on which for people to recreate? So whether, and that's true, Carrie, whether that's true of biking, we don't have those kind of numbers or hiking and all that, but when it comes to hunting, it's, it's been the backbone of DNRs and conservationists organizations across the the country since its inception and and we do need to know this number 
But here's a question for you, Carrie. And that was a statement, by the way. Here's a question for you. How many coyotes are there? And I know you don't have the answer to that. A lot. You do have the you do have the answer to an incredible book that's coming out that I keep calling Coyotes That Are Missed, but it's actually called Coyotes Among Us. In the next few minutes, yeah. would you just give us a sense as to what is coming and, and why this is such a fantastic breakthrough in, 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 in actually in, in, in publishing? Thanks, Charlie. Um, McGraw, McGraw Wildlife Foundation, where I am lucky enough to work, has for 23 years fostered research into urban coyote populations in Cook County, Illinois. And I had the distinct privilege of partnering with our lead investigator on that, Dr. Stanley Garrett of the Ohio State University, to write a new book called Coyotes Among Us, summarizing the 23 years of research, dispelling a lot of myths about coyotes, and hopefully opening people's eyes to just what an interesting animal they are. Um, the book is coming out in February of next year. Um, I hope you invite Dr. Garrett on to talk about it because he's the real expert here. But I can tell you, Charlie, um, it was one of the most fun writing experiences of my life because Dr. Garrett is such an expert. His research is so interesting. Well, one of the interesting things in the, in the clips I've seen, the excerpts I've seen from the book, and we're going to got about 30 seconds left, is they're everywhere in urban areas now. They, they are among us, which the title says, and we can learn a lot about them and also from them and how we're going to be living with them because they're not going to go away, correct? They're not going away. We have tried for... 100 years or more to extirpate coyotes, they've simply expanded their range, and they can live in places you wouldn't believe. Uh, when we get Dr. Garrett uh, to talk to you, Charlie, he will tell you some stories that will make you laugh and gasp with astonishment at what they can do. The book is available for pre-order on Amazon. It's Coyotes Among Us, and uh, you're supporting a good cause because this is published through the Max McGraw, McGraw Wildlife Foundation, which is a 501c3 charity. Well, Kerry, thank you for giving us a little bit of, of background on what's coming. And, you know, who knows, maybe you'll go into a movie theater or be able to watch some of this at home before too long as well, because this is undoubtedly will be made into some kind of a movie. Stan Garrett's work is exceptional. Uh, thanks so much for being with us, Kerry, this morning. You've, as always, lightened up our morning and enlightened us. You're listening to Charlie Potter the outdoor voice of Chicago and America, 720 on WGN Radio. I'll be back next week with much more on the great outdoors. Have a safe and happy week in the outdoors.